Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. All right, praise the Lord. All right, we are going to go to Psalm 1 today. Let's go to Psalm 1, and we're going to read Psalm 1 and use it as our text for what we're doing here today. Psalm 1, when you get it, just say amen. All right, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we just thank you once again for coming into your presence and allowing us just to come here again in our right mind. Father, we pray and ask today that your word will continue to minister to us so that we might grow in the things of Christ and that we might have the blessing and favor of God, you the Father, upon our lives. We ask it even now in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the other day, or probably yesterday, I was driving down the highway, and as I was riding down the highway, I was saying to myself, because everything had gone so well, I kept saying, God, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You just got it going on. You're awesome. And I just kept saying all these things to God. And then, you know, I, I have played these conversations out of my mind. I, I heard someone saying, well, you know, you're just playing up to God for the stuff he do. And I said, well, you know, yeah. I mean, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, yeah. I mean, that's what people do with, up with men, you know, and, and women in the world. If they meet somebody that they think sometimes can help them out, you know, sometimes they're not being real with people. They, they flatter them and play with them and say things that sound all positive when they really don't like the people like that. They just know they can't afford not to treat them a certain way, right? So instead, what they end up doing is they flatter them and do all this stuff. Well, there's nothing, people will say all the time, they'll make it sound like there's something, you know, just as we were talking this morning with the devotional, we should do everything we do because we love God. But we also do everything we do by faith because, you know, to flatter God indicates you believe he is a start. You know, so if you're up there going, well, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I said, you're right. That's exactly what I'm doing. I said, I'm pandering to God. Since I've been a, a, a person, as long as I can remember, you know, I never pandered to anybody. I was raised a certain way. I said, yes, sir. No, sir. I respect authority. I've always been that way. And I don't mind submitting to authority or saying, yes, sir. Absolutely, you're a sir. If, in, if that's the position, I ain't got a problem with that. But what I don't do is pander to people, all right? I mean, you know, everybody, you know, people used to say, well, you know, everybody put their pants on the same way. Not really. They all don't. But the point being that what? Everybody puts their pants on, whatever they're doing, one leg at a time, they would say, right? Well, that's how I've always felt, you know what I mean? I mean, I get it. I wouldn't care who you were. If you were the king of England, yes, I would do whatever the protocol was. 
But that's how I'm not going to somehow treat you like you better than I am because you're not. You're a human being, you know, and so I'm not going to pander to you or any of that. But God, we're not talking about that. And we're not talking, we are on no level are we even comparable to God. You know, John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to loose his shoe latchet. So, so once we understand who we're dealing with and we believe it, yes, absolutely I'm pandering to God because God's the one who can make sure everything goes right. God's the one who can make sure that when you don't have enough, you have enough. God's the one who can always make it right. And because of that, he deserves to be pandered to. That's his point. See, the devil is out there getting everybody to believe he the one to pander to. You know, he has what will please you. He has what will make life. And people are going after that, not realizing, like Sister April said in the devotional, when we give, when we ask the question, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, why do I do it? If I'm doing it because I love God, then that's why the Bible says all the benefits of it come to me. Today we see in this psalm, I'm entitling my message, A Tree Planted. A Tree Planted. And my thesis is this. God promises if we will heed to his word, we would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, I keep saying this in here, and I'm sure you all are hearing me. God keeps making these astounding claims that sometimes I think we read past them because it's just a part of Bible reading. You know, we're supposed to read the Bible. So I read my Bible chapters for today. You know, we have a little thing in the visitor's packet that says, reading through the Bible in one year, you know. So sometimes people get so caught up in trying to read the Bible in a year, read it in three years, read it in whatever, they miss the Bible. They miss God in the Bible. They miss what's happening. And God, this is his story to, pe to who I am. This is what it's about. This is who I am. Well, I think then that these claims many times then just get kind of read past instead of us thinking about them and asking ourselves, well, God, I mean, if this is true, then I need to look at something here to make sure this is happening because ultimately if it's not, I have to ask myself why. Either once again, as we've said before, God is one of these people who just like to uh, uh, blow himself up and make it look like he's all of that when he's really not, or I have to get in to what it is that's going on. You know, I was joking around with him on uh, Thursday when we were in here working, and I said, when I die, and, uh, you know, Brother EJ, he really had me feeling it. I was going, I said, you know, you're going to be crying, huh? He said, Pastor, I'm going to be feeling it. And he was serious, you know. I said, it's going to be, look, it ain't going to be so. I said, but I want these boots, these boots right here. Put them on my casket. I said, I want everybody to say. He said, I already know what we're going to say. And Sister Laura had me laughing. She said, this is what they're going to be saying. I remember when we was working, and Pastor had us doing this. I remember when we was working, and Pastor had us doing that. They ain't never going to say I remember when he took us nowhere, because they always had us working. I said, that's probably what they'll be saying. I said, but the point is that God is always working on our behalf. He's always working for us, the scripture says. And, and I want you to think about these astounding claims that he says. This is where today we get this message, a tree planted. God says this, that if a person will delight in his law, Day and night, meditate in it day and night, and that's their delight, is the law of the Lord. In other words, some people read the Bible, but that's not, it's not their delight. You know, they delight in other stuff. They delight in the TV shows they watch. They delight in the other books they read. The Bible's just one you got to get read. And because of that, it's not something they delight in. And because they don't delight in it, they don't meditate in it. 
And God says your failure to meditate in it is what, why you're bringing about this failure. You know, many times people will ask me, on a consistent basis they'll ask me, you know, how do you do, how are y'all doing what it is you do? And I said, look, all I'm going to tell you is I try to make sure we stay focused and we delight in the Lord. We do what we have to do, delight in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. I, you know, it's funny how sometimes I feel like the way God kind of preps your heart for what he's going to have to do. I remember when I first started off thinking, man, the last time they did that roof, that was like $8,000. Oh, man, I $8,000. Then the guy came, and he said, oh, man, you, you probably looking at 20. And I was like, 20? Oh, my goodness. I, I was eight. I was thinking, oh, now I'm like, please give me eight. Well, now it's like 20. Okay, well, I guess 20. 40? Okay, well, I guess we do 40. Now, I want you to think about this, because if 40 is 50, because we got to do all other stuff. You know, I, I was reading online one time about these people that were complaining about this church, not this church, a church, and they kept saying, the reason I don't like that church, because um, all they do is talk about money. All right. I understand preacher that don't believe God, why he got to talk about money all the time. I get it. The utility bill in here is $1,000 a month. Every month, every month, okay, every month. So unless you give $1,000 a month, you won't even pay the utility bill around here. Then the people, that's just the utility bill. Then the people want $50,000? 50? When the last time you gave us $50,000? Ask yourself the question, how long will it take? That's just the roof. I had them joking. I said, boy, look, y'all, this to me is like undergarments. If I had on right now, Louis Vuitton, undergarments, it ain't like I can show y'all. I can show you this little tie, girl. Nice. But I can't show you what I got on under here. That's what a roof is like to me. I said, maybe we need a roof party. We're going to take everybody up there and say, look at what y'all did. And dance on the roof or something, because other than that, you'll never see it. But it's got to be done. But how do you have a situation where you can say to God, God, look, I refuse, as I've always said, to be asking folk for stuff and doing, I'm not doing that. You said, you made the claims that you can take care of your own house. You can take care of your own stuff. Well, my expectation is that what you're going to do. You got to do it. I refuse to get up and constantly be talking about that because all that does is plays into the whole idea that God can't provide for himself. That some kind of way he got to lash his people in order to get out of him what he needs. Mm -mm. That ain't the God we serve. So we must latch into the claims that he makes and grab on to them knowing that he's what? Capable of doing it, right? Whatever it is, we know God can do this. This is what God said in verse 3. He said, if you delight in my law day and night, delight, not delight, in verse 3, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This thing is filled with astronomical claims once again by God. God says that if you'll delight in his word, Day and night, now you meditate in it because you delight in it. See, it's hard to do that if you don't delight in it, right? 
See, so like I told you all, I listen to the Bible before I go to bed. I listen to it while I'm asleep. When I get up, I listen to it. Why? Because it's a story. It's a continual story of a God who created man. Man fell. His, his enemy came in and tricked him. That same devil running around now tricking people. Came in and tricked him. God had a plan from the beginning. God shows the whole story of how it plays out with Abraham, Joseph, all these. David, he watches how it goes. He shows you his kindness. He shows you how David was a man after his own heart. He loved David. And David, in spite of that, went and killed basically what should have been his best friend, but definitely a man very close to him had murdered and killed so he could take his wife. And this God, instead of killing him, said, I've forgiven you and put away your sins, but you're going to suffer really bad throughout the rest of your life because of what you did. And then God still in that process had mercy on the woman he committed adultery with. The first baby he let die. But then he let her have another child. Not only did he let her have another child, that child became Solomon the king, who was the wisest, most richest king there ever was. This is the God that we serve. God told David, he said, David, I don't understand. Why you think you got to take that man's wife? He said, if you had told me you needed some more women, I'd have gave you that. What is your problem? How could you let this happen? It wasn't that God was keeping anything from David, but God was letting us see how men, no matter what they have, if they get everything they want and they don't keep their minds focused on God, it ain't enough. They always want what they're not supposed to have. And then Satan tempts them, and bam, there they go, all the way. But this loving God keeps reaching out, and he only kills everybody after he's been talking to them for 100 years almost. He keeps sending prophets to them. The prophets come and tell them, y'all better get right or God going to get y'all. Y'all better get right or God going to get y'all. Y'all better get right or God going to get y'all. Instead of them saying, man, thank you for telling us what God said, they kill them. They stone the prophets, throw them in pits, run them off, do whatever they do. But when it's all over, finally 100 years go by and God said, okay, I guess I'm going to have to kill them. And it doesn't make sense. Then God repents. In other words, he changes his mind. Okay, all right, y'all y'all praying, all right, I'm going to get you, I'm going to bring you back. This is the God we serve. And then finally he sends his only begotten son. God don't have no sons but one. And he sends that one son, and what do they do? Beat him and murder him. And then that son, while he hangs there on the cross, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then says, through him you have eternal life. You have everything you need now through me. God made that plan. And now he says, all you got to do is ask. And people still refuse. Look at the world. Jesus ain't nobody. They cuss Jesus. They tell all kinds of stuff about him. Keep on going, right? But this is the God we serve. And he keeps telling us, I'm reaching, I'm reaching with the understanding that eventually this is going to be over and the light's out. That's what makes this so intriguing to me. This is better than any story, any movie I could watch. This is better than any book. Every time I read it and I listen to the book of Acts and I listen to how the same scared 12 men who were afraid to even follow Jesus all of a sudden become so bold after God's spirit gets in them that they say to the very people who killed Jesus, you tell us what's right. Should we listen to you or listen to God? 
As far as we're concerned, we're going with God. Where does that boldness come from? The Spirit of God. That you now can have God's Spirit is what this story tells you now. So that your way can be prospered. That's why I'm saying about yesterday. You know, everything that we've done said about these chairs, from the moment we spoke it to the moment it's happened, nothing has gone wrong. The chairs came like the people said. The money was there like we said. Everything happened. The things are gone. And everything without a hitch, not one thing went wrong. Even going picking up the truck we needed yesterday, there wasn't a red light in the way. Who can do that but God? Only God can make everything go perfect and just take care of it. And all you do is get to look like you smart because you're really not. God is the one that's doing it the whole way. You just get to walk along with it. He, asks, he tells you what to do, and you go do it. And since nobody sees God, they go, man, that was good. Man, you good. Mm, I ain't so good with that. I just follow God. I try to hear. I try to do what he's saying, right? Why? Because he told me that if you meditate in my word, think about it. This is all he said. Listen to this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, don't sit around listening to them people out there. They don't know God. They don't know me like that. I know they may even have made lots of money and they're doing all kind of things, but trust me, the ungodly do not have anything that can benefit your life with wisdom. Don't listen. Well, but Lord, it looks like, I know what it looked like. Stop looking at it because that ain't it. The wicked will be cut down in a moment. All you got to do is look at people. Look at all the people. Just look at people. Go through history and pick people that you think were whatever and see what their end is and how it works. Cut down all of a sudden. I was reading the other day, Raquel Welch, supposedly at one point the most sexiest and beautiful woman in the world, at 82. Boop, she gone. Where's she at now? Well, hopefully she got saved. Because if not, being the most beautiful woman in the world, whenever that was, because I don't remember it, don't matter. And right now what matters is, where are you? That's what matters now, right? So God's like, don't take counsel from the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. In other words, these people do not go the way they go. Don't take their path. Don't do it. Just don't do it. And don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't be sitting and you always got something negative to say about somebody. Always scorning people. Always got something to say. Forget that. Stop talking. Shut your mouth. Put your hand over your mouth. Then he says this. He says, but instead of these things, this is what that person does. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's what he does. See, we can't ignore this and then want to claim the extravagant that God does. I, say, I can't claim the, the radical promise if I'm not going to do whatever he's saying before that, right? So he tells me, but I got to meditate in his law day and night. I have to spend my time in it. Not just reading it. I'm not trying to get five chapters. You might end up stopping at one place and staying there for hours and hours and hours. This is why when people say, well, I don't know, there's just not much in the Word of God. It's not relevant. That's because they don't understand it. It's spiritual. you got to spend time with God for it to all of a sudden matter to you. All of a sudden, you hear something different that you never heard before. It's the same scripture. You read it, and you're like, wow, I never thought about it like that. It just never dawned on me like that. That's because sometimes we're not ready to hear God say certain things. It's like children. The Bible says that you treat 
Uh, look, if your 10-year-old was still doing what they were doing when they was one, you got problems. If your five-year-old is still doing what your six-month-old was doing, you got problems. They still crawling around. They need to get up. Well, I, I don't let them try. You, you got to let them try. You can't keep carrying them around. If you keep carrying them around, they'll never learn how to walk. God's the same identical way with us. There comes a moment where God's like, look, I'm going to need you to get, get up. You got to stop crawling around. You got to get up. I don't want to get up. Well, you know, you're going to be handicapped if you don't. Because if you keep crawling around and not using your muscles, eventually you're not going to be able to use them. And there's going to come a moment where you're not going to be welcome in society of normal people. Now, today to say that gets you in trouble and people want to cancel you because there ain't such thing as normal. We all know that if somebody, I don't care what we want to say, people can say whatever they want to, I don't care. If somebody come crawling in your office and they're 40 years old, they all dressed up in a suit, and they come crawling in your office and saying, I'm here for a job interview. And then you say, well, you're not going to say anything. You're probably just going to be looking, trying to figure out how, how they got there to start. And you're not going to want to say anything. I guess you don't want to offend them. But while you're sitting there at your desk and they're down there on the floor with their beer bones and whatever little rattle they brought with them, you're going to be saying, boy, I'm going to try to hurry up and get this interview over with quick because I can't hire you. You know, you already know that. I can't hire you. They down there, you, you ask them a question, they say, can you do, all I talk is baby talk, they say. Paul said, look, when I became a man, I put away childish things, okay? I mean, you got to understand that come a moment, you got to set it aside. You got to realize it's over. And so God says, look, I need you to understand. I need you to get in this thing and meditate on it day and night. He said, and then I make this astounding promise to you. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Not only that, you'll bring forth your fruit in your season. Not only that, your leaf also will not wither. And not only that, whatever you do will prosper. Oh, hold up. See, see, instead of focusing on this and going after God and saying, hold up, God. See, this is why I can't get nobody saved. Because they don't believe none of this stuff you say. And he says, why? Well, because it ain't happening. Right, but how you know it ain't happening? Is it if, can you show me somebody? Now, I'm not indicting none of y'all because I don't know what you do in your private time. But you need to tell me. Do you literally think that you delight in the law of the Lord and in his law you meditate day and night? Now, don't shake your head, raise your hand, I don't care. But you have to an analyze yourself. If your answer to that is yes, then you have a right to demand from God that he do what he says. Most people will tell you, I've read preachers that say, oh, no, because most of the things that God is saying, he doesn't, this is only intended. It's just generalizations. Okay, well, then who generally gets it? You know, I mean, come on now. Even men don't have laws like that. Well, we don't discriminate generally against, you know, people, you know what I mean? So if you come here and, you know, you're a woman, we, we normally don't generally, uh, generally we don't discriminate against women with jobs. Well, you'd be like, okay, well, am, am I one of the women you ain't going to discriminate against? I mean, how, how we do this? Well, generally, you know, black people can work here. 
generally. But we don't, you know, we know what the law say, but generally we try to follow it. Generally, your salary will be paid on the 1st and the 15th of the month, generally. <laughs> Wait till you get it on the 18th. You're going to be like, hold up, uh-uh. I need to understand why I'm getting paid on the 18th and everybody else got theirs on the 15th. Because generally, we already told you, generally that's what happens. Well, I want to get in the generally group. So if God generally says that those who meditate will be like trees planted by river water, they're going to bring forth their fruit in their season, their leaf won't wither, and what they do will prosper, I want to be in that group then. Or God need to step down here and explain why that don't mean what he say. And I can get when God is trying to make a point by using certain types of analogies, and he's saying things that we know that that's not the case. He's talking about something else, and we got to go search it out. What do you mean? Like when the Bible says, you will tread upon the dragon. Well, you see any dragons lately? That's not, he's not talking about a real dragon, but everywhere you go in the Bible, Satan is the one compared to a dragon. So when he says you'll tread upon the dragon, he's not talking about no literal dragon out there nowhere. He's talking about the devil. I got that. But this is not, you know, he says whatsoever you do will prosper. Your leaf is not going to wither. Let me give you some tree facts just right quick. I read this, and I was astounded. They said that the world itself is made up of about 70% water. 97% of that is like in the oceans. They said there's probably only 2% of the water, surface water, that's even drinkable. 60% of the human body is water. Is this crazy? I mean, 60%. The earth is 70%. Water is so important to everything. Water. It says that a healthy 100-foot tree has about 200,000 leaves. 200,000 leaves. A tree this size can take 11,000 gallons of water in one growing season. 11,000 gallons it sucks up out of the ground. And then it takes it and releases it back into the air as oxygen and water vapor. This is how we breathe, because these trees are pulling up this water doing their thing through their leaves, and what? Causing us to be able to live. God says your leaf would not wither. These leaves produce life. That's what they're doing. They're producing life. So God's like, look, if you do what I'm telling you, not only will you bring forth fruit in your season, your leaf won't wither. The life-giving stuff that comes off of you won't wither. The people you are, when you're around people like this, you never find yourself feeling like, oh, my God. God, you could be around people, man, you get through, you feel like life, you just be so drained down. The way they talk about things, the way they talk about life, the way they talk about stuff, or sometimes just their literal presence can be very draining. Why? Because their spirit, they ain't giving off oxygen. I mean, they literally sucking it out the air. You there almost can't breathe. <laughs> When Jesus was around, he was giving off life, life, life all the time. This is what the Holy Spirit is about. God is about life, giving off life. He says, your leaf will not wither. He says, whatsoever you doeth will prosper. This tree, how does it drink its water? 
they say that water in the soil, so the waters come down. Now, remember what God said. So shall, just like the snow comes from heaven and the rain and the dew to water the ground, so shall my word be. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish the thing whereunto I sent it. So the word of God is referred to many times as the water of the word. All kind of different analogies of the water that comes from the word of God. It comes down from heaven. And a tree that's healthy literally sucks the water out of the soil. And then it says it does it this way. It has tiny little hair-like roots. It enters the root loaded with the minerals from the soil. And it's carried up the tree's trunk all the way to the leaves. So it comes through the soil, sucks up, brings the minerals through the soil, and disperses them to the leaves. Now listen to me. This is why Solomon said, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus made it plain to us that the heart was the soil that the word would go into. The heart is the soil. It's the place that the water falls onto. If that soil is hard, the water just runs off. It's like raining on concrete. It ain't never going in. So it's never going to do what? water any leaves. This is why if you have a tree in a pot, a plant in a pot, eventually what you got to do? Put some water in the pot. There ain't no water in the pot. Okay, I mean, once it sucks the water out of the soil, that's over with. Well, it's the same thing. God's like, look, the word comes down from heaven. Got the word. And then your heart, he says in one place, break up your fallow ground. Break up your heart. If, but if my heart is either hard or the water can't get in it or it's filled with the issues of life, what happens is the water comes up and brings with it all them issues. Y'all know people save and you can't stand them because every time you deal with them, they got an issue. Well, you know, my problem is this. Lord Jesus, can you not have a problem? What's your problem? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you go to work. I ain't looking at nobody because I ain't heard this. I'm just talking. You know, you go to work and you can't get along with the people at work. You go to family reunion, you can't get along with the people at the family reunion. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you got a problem. Well, that cuz. Cuz what? When it's all over, it's going to be them now. It ain't never I'm going to look at myself and say, because you in the mirror. you got too many issues in here. So when the water falls even, it comes up and it's running through these little roots and it's going through soil not filled with minerals, but filled with the issues of life. And even when the water come up, that's why the leaves are brown. Because it ain't giving off no life. God said, look, if you'll meditate in my word day and night, you're going to find out something. That word got a way of changing you, man. I'm telling y'all, ain't no way you can meditate in God's word and come out looking like you looking. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about people. If they, once they go in there, they can't come out looking the way they were looking. Look, look, look I want to I read something to you in one place. I, I did this in Bible study the other day. 
This is what it says in Philippians chapter 4. He was talking about these two women in the church. And these two women were very, very needed in the church. They were both saved. But this is what it says. This is Philippians 4, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Rhodius, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with others my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So he acknowledges their name is in the book of life. He acknowledges all of this. He says, but true yoke fellow. There was this, back in the day when Christians would get saved, they would change their names just like the Israelites did. And they, yoke fellow was a name that would be used. And so obviously Paul is addressing somebody there who's known by that name. He says, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help them women. What women? See, people talk about all day, right, man? See, you ain't supposed to be naming nobody. Go back to that verse before. Look, they done went down in history. Two women up in the church, not for doing good stuff, but for fighting. Eurodius and Syntyche. Yep. He says, I beseech Eurodius and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. What's going on? I don't know. But let's say that would be like Miranda and April, since they come up here all the time. Y'all see them. I'll use an example. Let's say they, they really don't like each other and they ain't getting along. They both saved, but they ain't getting along. God pops up and basically Paul's saying, somebody, Chris, please help them women. So Chris supposed to go sit them down and say, look, y'all, y'all need to understand now. Y'all need to be of the same mind. What does that mean? We are here for one purpose. That is to exalt Jesus Christ and to get as many people saved and teach as many people about the truth as we can. I'm not here to promote you or you. Now, you can go to your job and do all that, become the savior of the world. But here, we need to get on one accord and promote Jesus. That's all we're here for. That's it. That's what we got to do. If we don't understand that, now, if we don't understand it, then we always going to be fighting. You know, well, this week, she handed me the mic upside down. I think she's trying to make fun of me. At this time, Sister April will do devotional. <laughs> Drop the mic. Bam! You know what I'm saying? You know, and she get there, she... And then, then y'all can see it. Everybody knows something going on. Okay. And then, you know, it's like, no. No, 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 no. We got to know that what God's like, look. So guess what I'm saying? If you meditate in the word day and night, you start seeing yourself. All of a sudden, you get to Philippians, and you be like, well, this is a chapter I would rather ignore because it's telling me there was these two people, and, and God wasn't having it. He said, be of the same mind. You know what we like to do when we disagree with people? We come up with why God for us. Well, she shouldn't have handed it upside down to me. You wait till next week. <laughs> I'm going to hand it sideways to her. Here, you know, when the Bible says in one place what? Don't say, I'm going to do to you like you did to me. See, every time you meditate in the word, you see stuff that make you say, ooh, that's how I feel, but I can't do that because the Bible's telling me don't do it. This is why Christian marriages should be the best. Many times they're not, but I tell you what, 
It is sure ain't because they meditating in the word. Because if they meditated in the word, everybody would just most of the time just go sit down somewhere and be quiet. That's what they would do. I'm serious. Look, let me just pull this up right quick. I mean, this, this, it, this all just sounds phenomenal. You know that God would say this. So God says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. The husband's ahead of the wife, even as Christ is ahead of the church. People are like, Ugh. okay, but forget that. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. <clears throat> now, he wasn't never married. So you see, everybody got something they saying instead of meditating on what God said to them, realizing that, man, I ain't doing this. And God said that everything I do, I'm going to have to account for him when I get there. So if I mishandle Sister Lori, oh, he, I have to give an account for this. If, if, if I really believe what Jesus said and I keep meditating on it, he say every idle word out of your mouth, you're going to give an account for. So let's say I talk cross-eyed or something crazy, stupid come out of my mouth, and I just don't never apologize or nothing. You don't think God going to, man, God going to get you. He going to get me for that. He said, you are going to be accountable for that. That's why the word will change you. When you meditate on that day and night, you get ready to say something, you'll be like, Sometimes I find myself praying. This stuff, maybe Sister Laura and I, I, I know y'all don't have these problems, but anyway. Sometimes she has some stuff, sometimes I want to tell her. And I, I done got to the point, I'm like, mm-mm, Lord, please. When she come here, I don't, please don't let me say nothing. I don't want to say it because it's probably my problem. I don't know what, I just don't know. Please, Lord, just please. And I just run out the house if I have to. <laughs> y'all laughing, I'm telling you, sometimes I just go outside. Because I don't want to say it. You see, because the devil will present opportunity for you to say it. Yeah, he always stroking up something, you know. And if it ain't him, it's just situations. Yeah, finally something happens. You know, we're sitting in the car. And she don't have enough gas, maybe. Oh, not a time. Now, all we need to do is go on to the gas station and get some gas. But now you want to open all the can up about why she don't never this. And she ain't never that. And you ain't never this. And it's just one more example. What I'm talking about. Now we ain't got no gas. See, you need to be quiet. Get out and just pump the gas, man. Don't say nothing. Pump the gas. Pump the gas. Pump the gas. Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. You say it. You're saying this not to strain, but to find it for it to take hold on you. That this is real. This is truth. This is not just something God made up. God gonna hold you accountable, right? Do you understand that? If you do, you better stop. Get it together. Don't do that. Well, what about what she doing to me? The Bible don't say that. Look, look, forget that part. Let me look at something else. Here's another piece. Let me see if I can find this. Here we go. This is in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Look, put that air on. I think it's getting a little warm. I see people kind of, I don't know if it's me or the word. <laughs> is it what I'm saying? Because some people look like they're sweating. Philippians 2, and look at verse 3. Philippians 2, look at verse 3. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. So the Bible is telling me when I'm dealing with other people and I'm dealing with my wife and I'm dealing with whatever, the Bible tells me what to do. It says, esteem others better than myself. Yeah, that's what it says. I mean, so if it's telling me to esteem other people better than myself, and I go around on that, right? 
how can I not change? You see, how can I not prosper in the things I do? How can I not get the issues out of, see, I get the issues out of my dirt if I go to God and I pray and I say, God, I want a pure heart. I just want you to flow through my heart and my heart to be pure. So when the water comes down and it starts going through those roots, it doesn't bring up my issues. You know, I'm saying something to you really because I got an issue with something that even got nothing to do with you. There's some people who, whatever their life has been, they've not, they have no trust in people for the most part. They've had a lot of problems, a lot of things have happened to them. So that every time the water comes up, it funnels through this lack of trust. So it infiltrates every relationship, marriages, jobs. The guy on the street, he can't even ask you for nothing. I had a homeless man laughing the other day. He coming to my truck, he said, like this. <laughs> come on. He come up. He said, man, I'm telling you, I ain't on crack, and I ain't trying to get. I said, man, you ain't got to give me all that story. What's happening? And he started talking, so I said something. He started laughing, and, and, and he said, man, you know. So I gave him something. He said, man, you know, sometimes I got to be out here. 10 hours before I get this much money. He said, I, he said, all I can say is thank you, man. Just thank you. I said, it's good, bro. We good. I said, it's all good. I said, you know, just, it's great. God is wonderful. I said, it's good. And so he started talking about something else, started laughing. He went on. And he started walking off. Well, Sister Laura come out of the store. So I'm sitting back here. He started talking to her. So <laughs> as I'm driving up, he must have told her something about, can you adopt me? And so Sister Laura pointed, and she said, oh, that's your husband? Oh, okay, all right. Start laughing, right? So what I'm saying, this is my point. I, and, and when he came up, I, I didn't, I had no sense or feeling or thought that, oh, dog, here we go again. I'm sick of these people that get on my nerves. None of that. It was, I welcome you, brother. Come on over here, please. Why? Because Jesus said, Jesus once said, when I was hungry, you were not concerned about me. When I was issue worker, so I'm like, look, if that's Jesus, fine. I don't have a problem. He might be the crackhead man. I don't really care because that ain't an issue I got. See, I don't have that as an issue. People say, well, you need to protect the money God gave you. Well, if God can't protect it, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I'm not worried about that. I'm just not going to worry my nerves with that. I don't worry about it. I, that's why when they get around me, they feel life because that's what's coming off my leaves, man. Here, here. I don't care about all that. I'm not concerned about you, because what I'm not about to do is give you the money I need to eat anyway. I mean, if I need to eat, why would I give him my last money? I mean, the money I'm giving him is money I decided to give him here, man. Take it. Go ahead. I don't need your story, because that might make me don't want to give you nothing. After you tell me that long story to me, that'd be lying, talking about you. You, you know, they always done come from Texas and run out of gas and whatever else that went on. Your wife's sick. I mean, I don't need all that. Just do your thing. Here you go. And I always have my little G's hat on. And then you go on. I, look, 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 look. I'm more interested in these claims because God, when you look at it, the Bible says, he that lends to the poor lends to the Lord. And it don't say what kind of poor. You obviously poor, brother. Now, maybe you lying. Maybe you really got a Mercedes parked around the corner and you dress up like a bump. But you sure look poor. And the Bible says a man that loans Gives to the poor, lends to the Lord. So right then, you're already ahead of the game. So my thing is, you, you, you let the word, that's why he says, if you get in the word and you meditate day and night, you become like the tree planted by the rivers of water because the water becomes that word. It's coming to you. And, and, and you, you, you bring forth fruit in your season when it's time. 
Your leaves don't wither. You always look green. You always look like you're doing okay. And whatever you do, he says, will prosper. You can look forward to God taking care of your business because he's going to do it. I remember before I retired, I said, well, Lord, I got it all done now. I said, because I finally remodeled the front of the church. That was it. I said, now we don't have to spend no money. I mean, big money. Because, I mean, you got to spend big money. I ain't even got my job no more like that. I said, ah, I ain't got to spend big money. Man, we done spent more money since I left than it was looked like when I was working. Because God don't need you. What you don't understand about that? If you do what he asks you to do, in your season you bring forth your fruit. That's what he said. You can plan all you want. If you're not leaning on God, he's going to show you that you're not. Right when you think you're ready, that's when he's going to let you not be because you're relying on your own storehouse. You know, you got to get past this. You got to understand what God is saying. I am the one that you rely on. If you meditate in the word day and night, you'll become like a tree. Now, 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 I want to go to Psalm 92. We're going to look at Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15. And I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing this scripture. I'm grabbing this scripture, and I'm hanging on for dear life. I've made up my mind. I'm going to do every single thing. It's like when I was in, uh, I had a student come to me the other day in class. They said, well, professor, do I have to write such and such and such and such on my test? I said, no, you don't have to write it. But if you're asking me, will it help you? Oh, absolutely. I said, now, let me tell you what I would do. When I was in school, I would write, I'd give the professor the answer I think they want. Then I would put something down there called other considerations. And then I would talk about stuff he talked about. Stuff that seemed interesting to him. And I always got good grades. I say, sometimes people just like to hear themselves repeat it. Now, I ain't telling you what to do, but you do what you want. Well, look, this is what God said. I've made up my mind. I'm going to do everything God said. And if I go out before then, I'll deal with him when I get there. And he'll say, you really didn't do what you thought you was doing. But look at Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So when I say, look, Lord, I want to grow old and flourish. I want to grow like the cedar in Lebanon. I want to be like the palm tree. You know what happens with them palm trees? Go to Jamaica, the wind blow, the hurricane, it just come right back. The hurricane come, it blow down, it blow right back. Them palm trees are built for the weather, built to stand time, built, and they keep just growing and growing. And guess what happens? You can't destroy them like that. God says, I am making you a commitment. God says, and here's the reason. When I'm talking to him, when I say that, God, this is why I would like to do that. Because I want people to know what I'm preaching is true. This is real. I believe you can do this. People say, you know, everybody always want to do something. Now, I'm going to tell you what the people tell me all the time. Well, maybe you just got good genes. No, you won't make it my genes now. Now, when I was 50, they told me, well, you know, I mean, when you're 50, it's kind of like this. Then I hit 60. Well, you know, when you're 60, it's kind of like that. I said, okay, well, we'll see what happens when I'm 70. You know, but the point is, you reach a point where somebody's going to finally have to say, like this guy told me one time, you sleeping in the freezer? 
He said, you look like you did a cryo treatment. I said, no, I ain't doing nothing but Jesus. I'm telling you, man, you need to understand what I'm saying. God can do what he said. This ain't about you reversing time. I ain't talking about that. I'm telling you as time goes, though, it don't have to play out like people say it play out. You don't have to do that. It don't have to be that way. People say, oh, yeah, well, that's what you're saying. Well, okay, fine. I'm just, I told God, this is why I care, because I want to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in him. In other words, he don't lie. He don't make up stuff. Back up. Let's see what this God said. That's how I would treat him. If I, I told y'all, I don't got no respect for you if you're a liar. I don't. If I find out you're a liar, I'm sure going to mishandle you if you lie to me. Because I'm going to tell you. I'm going to bring you and tell you to your face. Man, you ain't nothing. You a liar. Why you lie to me like that? Why would you just lie to me? Just tell me, yeah, yeah, and just do it. I mean, I just don't understand that. And God, I would do the same thing. If God, if this turned out to be a lie, then we need to tell God, you wrong for it. But why would God just lie? People say, well, because I know, do you know anybody, you telling me that this happened, but do you know for sure what these people were doing? You don't really know. You don't know what's going on. All we know, all you know is who you know, you. When you go in that bathroom and look in that mirror, you know what you're doing. You know how you live. You know what you meditate on. You know what you read. You know what you watch. You know what really occupies your mind. You could be standing there with a man or woman. Oh, yeah, you the one. And all in your head, you think about Susu. You know, you look at him straight now. Oh, yeah, yeah, girl, you the one. And all in your back of your mind is somebody you been new. Reason you looking at her because she look like her. Yeah, I'm with you really because you look like her. You act like her. You just ain't saying that. But you know it. You know, we all know. Y'all know right now what you're thinking. He get on my nerves. Yeah, some of y'all might be thinking that right now. I can't stand him. He make me sick. I don't even know why I come up in here. And I'm like, I don't either. But the point is that, you know, that might be how you feel. You know that. And you could come up to me after and go, man, Pastor, you're such a great person. That's wonderful and all that. But you really know what you think. This is what I'm saying about God. Now, God, come on now. You don't have to play me to do this. I I'm willing to come. Even if you told me y'all might die at any time. You never know because Satan got the rule of the world. He can kill who he want, when he want, how he want. I would still go with God. Because I don't want to go to hell. Hell is, I mean, getting out of hell is good enough for me. Even if God said, look, you just going to have to play some hopscotch with the devil because we don't know what he might do. While, I, while I'm down there, I'll be like, fine. As long as I, I'm a hopscotch then so I can stay out of hell. That's what I'm going to do. I said, but look, that ain't what he do. Look what God said. Let's go back. Verse 12, the righteous, which we are in Christ, shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. I don't know if y'all seen them trees. They are huge. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall, not generally, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. To Why, Lord, why? To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in him. So when people say, right, but I, I see it's not happening at that time. Right, but this is what you got to do. This is what faith is about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you look around, and you're always seeing things go a certain way, and people keep telling you that's how it go. Faith is to say it don't have to be like that. Why? Because God said something different. 
So if God said that, I want what God said. So I'm going to do whatever he say I need to do to get that. That's why I brought, brought that student up. So in other words, if I done told this student what to do, and they do it, now if I give them something different, I'm wrong for that. I'm the one told them. Give me back something I said, even if that you don't even think that might be the answer. But wait, do the answer, then give me back something else that I seem to think was important when I was talking about it. I'm telling you, because it's going to tell me you were paying attention. You were paying attention to the things that mattered in class to me. You're not going to get no participation grade. That's where you get it, because you've said something. You've answered the question, but now you've, you've had enough time to just hit a little something that maybe I said was important about this. Distinguish it, whatever you thought you had to do. Well, I just need to know, God, what I need to do. God said, meditate in the Word day and night. Okay, so I turn the TV off. Since Laura and I might watch it together before we go to bed, for whatever little period of time, we got a little show we watch on a DVD. That's it. That's all I watch on TV. I watch nothing else, period. Now, I ain't telling y'all what to go watch. You watch whatever you want. Keep TV any way you want, how you want. Watch it for the five, six, nine years a day. I don't care. Tell you what I do. Don't watch it. Radio. I don't listen to the radio. Ain't nothing on what I need to hear because ain't the word ain't coming out. When I ride, I listen to the word. That's all I listen to. I do not put on, if I put on music, it's instrumental music, that's gospel. Every now and then, I may listen to me a little Jamaican when I'm just chilling. I do that, I must admit, no problem, man. But other than that, that's what I listen to. That's what I'm doing. Why are you doing that, Pastor? You trying to make us feel like, no, I don't care about y'all right now. I care about what God said. God, how am I going to come up there and tell you you didn't do what you said? When I did not meditate in your word day and night, I have no right to ask. So what I got to do is everywhere I see God saying, take that out, take that out, take that out. In my sense that I need to take it out, I'm taking it out. So when I die, if I don't get what I want, when I ask God why, he going to say, well, let me tell you what that really was about. You did that for the wrong reason. You had the wrong motivation. And now I'm about to show you your motivations. Because the Bible says, when we die, we will know even as we are known. God may say to me, you know, you, you, the only reason you even, even started that church was because you had a desire to just be a leader. That had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with you really love me. You just wanted to leave something. So I let you. I didn't want to disappoint you. I let you leave something. But you, you know, you, you didn't do this for me. You didn't do it because you loved me. You weren't trying to get people saved. No, you had a whole other agenda on your mind. You just didn't understand it. You didn't go deep enough to know that's what was really going on with you. Oh, okay, God. What you going to do? Fuss? You, he done told you about yourself. Now you understand it. But until you know that, you do what he say. Pursue it as best you can. And that's what I'm trying to do. So that if, you know, it's kind of like when you go into a, 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 any kind of a, a, a training program. The people tell you what to do. Now, if the people tell you no carbs, you can't eat 60 carbs a day and say, well, it wasn't but 60. The people said none. I don't understand. What you don't understand? Zero, 60. But 60 is almost zero, but it ain't zero. You know, it's not zero. You must run a mile a day. Well, I ran a half a mile. A mile. A mile a day. Not a half. Well, see, you take this too serious. Well, God seemed to take it pretty serious. God the one said day and night. That's ridiculous. You want me to get up in the Bible, in the Word all the time? Yes. If you want my best, he says, I need you to get in there. Otherwise, that's like going swimming with half your body out the water. How you do that? 
You know, you ain't swimming. You got to get in. And God's like, no, you want to come swimming with me, you got to get in. Let me show you something Jesus told us, <laughs> and then we're going to close. Look at, look, at, look, at, look at this. We're going to go to John chapter 4. I'm going to read some verses to you. John chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 1. John chapter 4, and beginning at verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And I'm going to stop for 30 seconds. This is enough to tell y'all you need to get you some rest. Even Jesus got weary. That's another sermon. Verse 7, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that said to you, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a, him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Wow. I mean, this book is filled with astounding claims. This is why I'm saying Tony uh, Robbins and all these other motivators, they ain't got nothing to give us. Jesus said, if you had asked, if you knew what to ask, if you were walking in it, he could give you a water in your system that would be constantly springing over in such a way that you will never thirst. The world ain't got nothing on God. It has nothing on God, nothing on him in such a way that what? If things don't go any way like they think prosperity is when it's all over, you still are just doing okay. This is why Jesus said the kingdom of God dwells in you. Paul said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, how much you can eat, how much you can drink, where you can live, how many cars you drive. He said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you got that, can't nobody take you down. Can't nobody beat you. Can you imagine people stomping on you, throwing you in a cell, and you got joy, and you got peace? They can't take it from you. And, and this is what people are lacking. Their joy or their happiness is connected to their happenings, which means if my job's okay, my car's all right, my house is okay, my, I got, my marriage is fine, everything's good, ooh, we, I'm blessed, I'm so joyful. And then all of a sudden something gets snatched away, and oh, I'm so sad now. And even though that sadness could be there, I should still be able to have God's joy because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is what Jesus was talking about, that water, that you don't need to keep begging people to, you know, because most people are talking to you because they thirsty. I'm telling that why they call you. Can I talk to you for a minute? Oh, Lord, you say. Yeah, I got to start pouring some water into you again. 
this is what so-and-so did to me, and this is what this one did to me, and then there you go. And look, it's going to be all right. I mean, you know, life can be tough, and you're trying, basically, you, you know, you might well get your little baby bottle out. If they grown, you're giving them a little bottle of water, you're trying to get it, you're throwing it on them. Get up, it's going to be all right. I fainted again. Life. Life is just filled with devils. Not the people, I didn't say that, with devils. They're everywhere. They're always stirring up something. Everything going on. You got to know how to hold your peace. Now watch this, I'm going to close, I promise. Y'all may have heard about the guy with the Dilbert comics. Well, the guy that does Dilbert comics, they, he's basically been dis deplatformed by just about everybody with his cartoon. Now he had his cartoon forever. All right, almost forever. And everybody loved Dilbert, it was all great one. Some kind of way, all he done done is allowed the current circumstances to get inside his spirit. And when they got inside his spirit, he started saying things that people said basically was racist. But if people were honest, they find themselves saying it sometimes, especially black people, because that's what he said. Riding down the interstate right now. People today say, man, I wouldn't go driving down I-12 hours. You depend on what time of night it is. Why not? Somebody might shoot at you. This might happen. That might happen. All kinds of stuff we saying. Man, you better be careful. Well, all he said was, <laughs> basically, well, it, it, do you agree with the statement that it's okay to be white? And they said, he, I would be, it's interesting to realize that 26% of black people said they didn't think that statement was okay. Now, I understand that the, some racist people have taken up that statement. It's okay to be white. In other words, racist people walking around saying it's okay to be white. Got it. But are you saying it ain't okay to be white? I mean, is that what we're saying? I ain't making nerves, I know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I ain't telling you to jump up and say that. It's okay to be white. But I'm sure ain't no black people up in here got a problem thinking they can't stand up and say, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud or whatever else we saying. Black lives matter. Black this, black, black, black. Buy black business. Get black. Get black. Go back if you ain't black. Oh, what we saying? Oh, that's all good. We can all say all of that. Oh, but don't let no white person say. White is right. <laughs> that's it. It is over. And I mean, we got to understand where God is coming from. My whole point about him was, look, if you let Christ, you got to let Christ get in you because you got to know the moment you're in. If he had understood the moment he was in, he would understand. Even though all that stuff you may be saying is really even true, and some people may even think it, now is not the time for you to say that. And because you said it, you have now disrupted your whole life. And I said this when I was growing up, and I'm going to close. I said that there, I learned early in school, and I, can't, I don't have time to go through all the different things that happened to me, but I learned early in school. There are a lot of people who say they're with you until it's time. That's what Jesus learned. And I made up my mind. I wasn't dying for nothing other than Jesus. And when I knew it was about Jesus, then I'm willing to be deplatformed, de-lifed, and de-everything else. Other than that, I ain't got nothing to say about none of that. Nothing. All I care about is getting the gospel of Christ to the people. Because that's what's going to matter when we all die. 
is whether or not we know Jesus. And that's our mission. And God says that if we will do what he says, we'll be like trees planted. Y'all, I'm telling y'all, I mean, one of the things they used to say about my father all the time, he went to everybody's funeral that he knew. I'm serious. All of my father's contemporaries died for the most part before he did. And he went to every one of them's funeral. So even if there were people he didn't even like, you wouldn't know it because he didn't tell you. But he was at their funeral. So he would have had the ability to have seen, oh, wow, you know, this is what happens. You too will see that life works this way. Every head bowed, every eye closed.